from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. John the Baptist prepares the way. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, a Traconitus, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood, priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. So, Abby. Brilliant. Yeah, so my name's Abby, and I've come with Linda today from Fountains Church. So I'm going to unpack this passage in relation to the season of Advent that we're in at the moment. And I'm just going to start by, yeah, unpacking what Luke's doing at the beginning of the passage. So, yeah, during the time of Jesus, um, the Romans, at the, t- the Jews at the time were subject to the rule of the Roman Empire. Um, and Luke goes into detail with the facts surrounding this time period. Like any good historian, he gives accurate facts for the political leaders who were in rule of, of the area during this time. It's not some fairy tale story that he starts with once upon a time. He's very specific in the facts that he gives for a very good reason. So Luke mentions the political leaders at the time, notably Tiberius, who was a leader known for his cruelty and severity. Pontius Pilate, who was really well known for his brutal massacres of Jewish people and general insensitivity towards the Jews during the time. And then rulers from the family of Herod the Great, Herod Philip and Lysanus, were known for their corruption and cruelty. Luke reminds both his original readers at the time and as today of the corruption and the general moral degradation of the Roman Empire at the time. The Jewish people at the time may have felt powerless, they may have felt oppressed, but at the very least they'd have felt like very much outsiders in a culture that was so drastically different to the lifestyle that they were used to and the morals that they'd upheld for generations. Now, not all Jews at the time would have expected God to send a son of David as the Messiah to overthrow the Romans, although some Jewish people did. It was actually a sect of um, Jews at the time who believed, very much believed that there would be a war against Rome and that God would reign victorious. However, most Jewish people during the time were eagerly looking for a coming Messiah, a deliverer who would defeat Israel's enemies and usher in a time of peace and prosperity for God's people. They were very much looking for a king-like figure, someone who would re-establish the dynasty of the past and reign on a throne. So I spent some time thinking about this passage and what John Baptist looks like to me in this passage and how I would think and feel if, you know, at the time if, if this were to happen today. I think it's worth visualizing, firstly, just how crazy John the Baptist would have looked Um, Firstly, he was walking around the provinces of Rome, um, preaching on the street. 
Now, I remember the very first time I saw a street preacher. It was before I was following Jesus, and I was walking around the city center of Chester, and I saw a lovely man with the biggest smile on his face handing out um, yearly like calendars with a Bible verse on each month. Just, yeah, he just had such a joy and was handing these out for free to random people in the city centre. I then circled back round about 10 minutes later to find the same man dancing and singing the words to what a friend we have in Jesus with just a little bit of a jig. And he was just, yeah, the most joyous man. I don't think a thunderstorm or any, any amount of rain could have just extinguished the joy that this man had. The second time I saw a street preacher was in Manchester. This guy looked a little bit different and was very much just holding a sign that said repent with a lovely graphic of fire. (laughs) Now, it's safe to say which one of these methods I prefer, but I think it's also safe to say that both of these men would have stood out like a sore thumb in any crowd. Um, although, and despite the fact they were unmissable and you, couldn't, you could notice them from a mile off, most British people would just yeah, keep their heads, eyes glued to the ground in British style and not give them the time of day. I think John the Baptist would have looked very similar. He would have stood out like a sore thumb. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that John was clothed in camel's hair, having lived in the wilderness since his youth and had lived on a diet of locusts and honey. Now, I can safely say this isn't the sort of person I would willingly go up to in Bradford City Centre. I think I would stay quite clear, if I'm being honest. In a time where the Jews were looking for a coming Messiah, a king that would rule and put things right in their lives, out out from the wilderness comes a man who both looked unappealing and had quite an unappealing message. Yeah, so if I'm being honest, I would be quite taken aback by John the Baptist during this time. I wouldn't have really known what to make of him. Most people are probably similar to me. They don't do well with the unexpected or the uncomfortable. We like to have a sense of control over what's going on in our lives, and we always have a set of expectations about what things should look like and how things should happen. As well, during this time for the Jews, baptism was really only something you would, you would enter into if you were a Gentile or a non-Jew, so somebody who had converted to Judaism. So this in itself would have been something that the Jews had to get their head around. A baptism of repentance would have, been, would have required a complete shift in their thinking and their perspective of what it meant to belong to God. This passage reminds me that God is a God of the unexpected. And when I think about the most powerful times that God's spoken to me in my life, they've mostly been in ways that I didn't expect. God has rightly shifted my thinking and my perspective because I needed to see things differently. December is a month where we prepare for a lot of things. I don't know if it's just me for whom December seems like the most crazy time of the year. End of year celebrations, parties, all the shopping and errands to run, as well as restlessly waiting for the end of the Christmas holidays at work just so I can finally have a rest. December is genuinely my most tightly packed month of the year. So I'm talking to myself as much as anyone here when I say that during this season of Advent, I need to make sure that I leave some room in my plans and make space for Jesus and look look out for the unexpected and the unplanned ways he might be choosing to speak to me or move in my life during this time. And those ways are often a lot less grand and sparkly and a lot more humble and unexpected like the man who comes from the wilderness dressed in camel's hair. I think Luke is also quite clear in his retelling of this event what really needs to happen for us to make room and prepare the way for God to intervene, both in our lives and in the world at large in this passage. John prepares the way for the coming of Jesus with a baptism of repentance. 
repentance being choosing to turn from the sin and wrongdoing in our lives and change direction more in line with how God would have us live. Repentance is so central to the Christian message. Jesus took our sins to the cross because we needed to be free of them to experience the true liberation from the darkness that can often plague our lives. Yet I daily find myself in the trap of being blind to my own wrongdoing or holding on to bitterness and cynicism in my life. Unrepentance can create a barrier between us and God and stop us seeing things the way God sees them. I'm going to read another passage from Matthew 5, and it's 22 to 23. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there at the altar, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar, and first go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift at the altar. I find this passage incredibly challenging. Jesus ultimately came to reconcile the world to himself, and he's given us all gifts to help him in this mission and to bring light to a hurting world. But that reconciliation, first and foremost, starts with us being reconciled to God. We're asked in this passage to forgive and to let go of our anger before we offer our gifts to God. Because let's be honest, we're much better people of being the people of love and light that God wants us to be when we're not carrying around additional weight. So I've taken up an extra practice this Advent, and it's to carve out intentional time to make sure I actively repent and think through the sin or the anger I've been holding on to during the day and hand it over to God. Not only does this make me feel 10 times lighter during the day, but I'm finding it often results in my day going so much better because I don't get stuck in unhealthy thinking habits. So as we journey through this season of Advent and we think about what it means to prepare the way for God to speak to us and to move in our lives during this time, in the middle of the busyness of of December, the hurry, the shopping, yeah, I, I present to us two things. One is to look out for the unexpected ways that God is about to move in your life, the unexpected ways he will speak to you. And two is to, yeah, keep that practice of repentance to remove those barriers that stop God from speaking to us. Yeah, so I'm just going to pray before I finish. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you came into the world and you gave your life for us to free us from the things that were holding us from true and full life. I thank you for your gift of forgiveness. And I thank you for, yeah, the coming that we celebrate at Christmas and, yeah, the expectation we have for you to come again. Yeah, I pray for, for us all individually that during this season of Advent we would make room for you to speak in our lives. Yeah, I pray you would speak to us. We would be so aware of the way you are moving in and amongst us. Yeah, I pray you help us to let go of anger, forgive us of our sin, and help us to, yeah, keep that habit up. Yeah, Father, you are so great and wonderful to us, and we thank you for everything you've done. Amen.